You're listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. says yeah yeah dude i used to do that like karaoke with lauren padilla in the shower oh really yes oh i saw her posting on your uh, posting on your post commenting on on your post replied to my post i really got to get this terminology down yeah 2019 uh dude there were like three rent songs that i used to do in karaoke yeah i realized the one the that that duo what is it the um you're what you you want your boy or your girl hot what is it what um the the the, the, the lesbian couple sings. Oh, take take me or leave me. Yeah, there you go. That was a karaoke favorite. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> see, that was never one of my favorite songs from the show. It's not either. So I really didn't enjoy when it was karaoke. I'm like, okay. especially because it's like five or six minutes. Like that's that's bathroom break. Guys, <clears throat> anytime you're at karaoke and uh, somebody sings a show tune, like that's kind of like a I don't know. I, you know what? Although, what you sing show tunes? I fucking do. I just said, and I probably have two. Oh, okay, here's where I'll draw the line: obscure show tunes. Uh-huh. Obscure show tunes um, are for man, your enjoyment only, that and hole. not the enjoyment of digging the audience. That hole, I'm just saying, man. You know, you're there to everyone's singing uh, "Sweet yeah. Home Alabama." You're right. It's you can't be and, uh, you can't be as cool as Joel singing Michael "Call <laughs> Me Maybe." <laughs> Listen, what I do or, or "Rainbow Connection." First of all, what I do is art. Okay, so you can't. Yes. <laughs> I'm I'm making a statement. Don't judge my art about the times and pop culture. Morris Day. <laughs> That's right, Morris. Sometimes I do sing that. Doris Day in the Times. <laughs> it's a whole new spin on it. Mean, that'd be totally different. Uh, um, yeah, dude. So got to check out uh, a movie that I've been wanting to see for a long time now. Oh, me too. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, speaking of uh, La Vie Bohème. La Vie Bohème. Yeah, La Vie um, Bohemian Rhapsody. You know how we were talking about with Black Panther <laughs> Here we go. and stuff like mm-hmm. we've we've said this before about movies like if it was any other year probably wouldn't be as you know hot or as recognized. I kind of think that's just how I'm feeling about Bohemian Rhapsody. Overrated, a little overrated, uh, not as good as it should be. Mm-hmm. Like not not what I wanted out of a biopic about Queen. There's something missing, and I it took me a while to kind of figure out what it was, mm. and it was. The music. No. Oh. Not the Queen music. There's plenty of Queen music throughout this movie. Oh, I would hope so. And and the fucking, where the movie shines is like the last bit when they're actually performing Live Aid. And you're just like, holy shit. Like, and, and singing along. And it just came after like this, this big emotional moment with Freddie Mercury and the mm. band. Um, and so you're like tearing up and singing along at the same time. And like mm. how important it is that Freddie like just somehow miraculously by the grace of God, had, like, his voice at that moment mm. for Live Aid. It's, like, it's really powerful, it, especially considering the narrative of the movie, the story of what was happening at that point. But, like, the movie's not scored at all. Like, oh, there, like nothing. Like, there's there are scenes where people, like, talking to each other, and it's, like, emotional. It's supposed to be, in a, like, have an emotional impact, and there's no score. That's interesting it's you say people that. people talking to each other. And I'm like, you could have done something really cool, like orchestrated 
Queen songs yeah. as like, you know, kind of a, an underscore for moments. Work the stuff. themes in. Yeah. Exactly. Hmm, interesting. Also, with a movie called Bohemian Rhapsody, I thought Brian Singer, who we know can make a very creative film, can tell a story in a very sure. creative way, uh, I thought that Brian Singer maybe would have used parts, because if you listen to the song Bohemian Rhapsody, it's kind of like three songs put together. Yeah. And so I thought maybe a creative way to tell the story is that each part of the song an act. represents an act like of that. the movie. That it's like, a, and it kind of, he's trying to write the song. Kind of like what like Aaron Sorkin flashback. did yeah. with that Steve Jobs movie. Uh-huh, exactly. Where he used the keynotes as. And a, then at the very end is when Bohemian Rhapsody kind of comes together. That would have been nice. That would have been very nice. Is, That's not what happens. <laughs> this here. movie doesn't seem that creative. And in fact, I talked to somebody today who had seen it and was like, eh, it's paint my numbers pretty yeah. much for a biopic. And that's exactly what I'm always complaining about these biopics. No, so. Um, so disappointed. Ultimately. I was a little disappointed. Yeah. Also, there was no conflict, and you could either there was no actual significant conflict within the band Queen, mm-hmm. or the members of the band were like, "We really want to downplay yeah. all that mm-hmm. and just really like focus on the great legacy of Freddie Mercury." But if you're going to do that, then don't even touch on the conflict of of the band. You, oh, you can have plenty of so conflict the- with without having conflict among the members of the band. But like. There's this whole bit about, like, Freddie's going to go strike off on his own, oh, that, and the rest oh, of the band got pissed off. This, is what I'm, this and then always Freddie happens. comes back and apologizes. Of I'm course. Like, I don't remember this. Was I don't it? remember this happening. I don't remember this story. I remember that in That Thing You Do. In That Thing You Do. By and, Tom Hanks. Um, uh, in Almost Famous. <laughs> yes. I mean, in fact, Almost Famous did the band conflict way fucking better and way funnier. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Where he's talking about, like, you've been sleeping with such and such as wife. What? <laughs> Uh, I can't. Even, I'm not even yeah. referencing it correctly. Yeah, I remember. But there's, it's such a like a lack of conflict. Like where the conflict comes into play is like there's some dude named Paul who is like the Yoko Ono of Queen. Uh huh. There's always one of those who got in with Freddie Mercury and kind of started pushing everybody. You else should away. do your own thing. And I was why like, are you with these guys? I was like, I don't remember any of this. And and I've read plenty on yeah. Queen. I haven't read everything on Queen, but I've read plenty. I'm a big Freddie Mercury fan. I don't remember this. And so I just kind of sat there like arms crossed. And if I'm sitting in a movie theater, arms crossed, like that means I'm not letting you in. It sounds like a movie in really, search of a story. It, yeah, it really, it it, it wanted to have, uh, it, it wanted to have that emotional impact, but it didn't do the work to make you feel that. Like yeah. it would just like, there'd be a moment and things would be happening and, and like they're getting in a fight. And then suddenly it's like, you know, it's somebody... On the, on the periphery is like playing the bass riff to Another One Bites the Dust. Uh-huh. And everyone stops fighting and goes, Whoa. Oh, no. That's a good riff. Oh, I hate that. That would that. make a pretty good song. Oh. And the next thing you know, they're in concert playing Another One Bites the Dust. And Even like, if that's how it happened, that's probably not how it happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that could be a true story, and, like, the retelling of it is very cinemized, it sounds like. Now, cinemized. all of this said... Mm. Every performance in this movie is fucking phenomenal. Yeah, I saw a clip uh, from it today. Actually, somebody complaining about the editing. I guess it maybe got nominated for Best Editing. And uh, the, the clip I saw is not deserving of that nomination. Yeah. Uh, but also, Freddie... Mer- What's that guy's name who plays Freddie Randy Mercury? Randy Malik. I've seen footage of like Freddie Mercury. He's not like a fucking gopher-toothed imbecile. <laughs> like, you know, oh, my name Freddie Mercury. Like, they're really overdoing it, I thought, maybe. It's, I it seemed I a little more like a caricature. I don't know. I thought that he did pretty well. Yeah? Yeah. I, I thought right. that... I, maybe again, it's just I, the clip I saw. I thought all the performances were really good. You must have seen a clip from, like, the very beginning. Because he it was, was like doing that. like when they're that. getting like, signed with, yeah. with their... They're, like, outside on a patio. Yeah, it was, like, early on. 
he kind of they were really showing it off, and then eventually, it kind of they stopped. Well, doing yeah, it. I've seen the trailer. I know it's uh, it's, yeah. it's not dominant, but still, <laughs> so bad choices. There is one moment in this movie that really stands out, still sticks with me, and mm-hmm. I was telling Sarah about it. I was cracking up telling her about it. So, um, Mike Myers plays oh, yes. the guy who's the head of EMI Records, uh-huh. and so they're going through and they're they're recording their album Night at the Opera, which is the album that Bohemian Rhapsody's on, and it's so funny, like and. It was me and like one other guy in the theater, <laughs> and so uh, so we're watching it. And there's this bit where they finally finish recording Bohemian Rhapsody, and it comes back, and they're in the office with Mike Myers, and he's listening to it, and then he's like, "What the fuck did you guys just record? <laughs> you know what? No, the single we're gonna go with it's gonna be You're My Best Friend. That's Poppy. It's it's three minutes long. This song is six minutes. <laughs> yeah. He's like, there's no way." That anybody's going to be in their car, driving down the street, banging their heads <laughs> no! to Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, that's so funny. And I was like, that is re- that is so great. Like, <laughs> it's not too obvious. Yeah, but... But at the same time, know, like, if you grew up in the Wayne's World era, you're like, great. that is a fucking great reference. A great <laughs> callback. Um, and I feel like someone like Mike Myers can do that. Because he's not quite winking at the camera. He's when having he a it. weird career later in his life. Yeah. He's doing all these little cameos. Remember, he was in Inglorious Bastards. Bastards. Yeah, <laughs> he seemed really out of place. Uh, but you know, more power to him. He's good. He's a talented yeah. guy. But I think we just got oversaturated with yeah. him. Oh yeah, especially with like Shrek. Like we just didn't want to hear Mike Myers' fucking Scottish voice. Although, how many years before we get an Austin Powers reboot? I feel like we're right on the cusp uh, of that. I'm gonna tell you, man. 2020. I like Goldmember. I think oh, Austin, really? I think Awesome Powers Three is probably my Ooh, favorite of the three. What's coming yeah. soon to an episode? Yeah. Then I have not seen that one. You haven't? Well, because it lost me after the second one. Dude, the second one's shit. Yes, it the is. The second one is yeah, Beyonce, really garbage. For but the the fucking no. I mean, the I love third Beyonce. one has Beyonce. Oh, oh, well, I'm sure. Second one has Heather Graham. It's <laughs> <laughs> got Heather Graham for Christ's sake. <laughs> well, I like Heather Graham actually. <laughs> I'm accidentally racist. She's I'm my Joel Burton. No, it's not that. It's just Beyonce is not an actress. Beyonce. She's no Heather Graham. Oh, she's an actress. All right. Oh no. She acts like she can fucking sing a song <laughs> auto too much uh so no you said you saw something too i did see a movie that i have also been wanting to see in a while uh, annihilation and while. you liked it was <laughs> 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 nor annihilation episode <laughs> we haven't done one just kidding don't look, go looking for that um, but we did talk about it for 20 minutes like three episodes but, in a row but do in the future maybe look for our uh, spider-man into the spider-verse <gasps> episode yes we saw that and fucking loved it dude Best animated how, feature. How crazy. Well, yeah, it's going to be it's a travesty. Like, it's like nothing you've ever seen. It's going to be a travesty if it doesn't win. It probably won't win. It's probably going to go to um, Incredibles 2 or really? um, what was the uh, Isle Ralph of Dogs. 2. It may go to Isle of Dogs just because, yes, because of the Wes Anderson factor. Um, but uh, no, it's probably not going to win. So I, I'm calling it now. Don't be excited for it. For, but, but it should. Yeah. Um, and I say that only having seen one of the other nominated <laughs> animated features. <laughs> But you're right. It's unlike anything I've ever seen before. Oh, yeah. And the storytelling is like, like what, like, what a year are we in? What a renaissance we're kind of having with um, the things we can do with film. I feel oh, like yeah. we kind of uh, slowed down there in the 80s and we're ramping back up and then maybe a little, uh-huh. I don't know, the 2000s. The- Dude, Lord and Miller. Lord and Miller just know yeah. how to fucking tell a story. I love their clothing line. I, I just, <laughs> yes. But I, can you imagine, like... I'm just saying, I watched Into the Spider-Verse, and as I'm walking out, I'm thinking about, like, Disney and the Solo movie, and I'm like, 
Oh my god! Why the fuck wouldn't you let these guys finish their fucking Han Solo movie? I had the same thought, and knowing what we know now about how the last Jedi turned out and what they're doing with, and now they're going back to safe J.J. Abrams because God forbid Colin Trevorrow might have something that they disagree with. But we know that Colin Trevorrow would probably make a shit film. He probably would, but I'm just saying, where a big volcano would be exploding, and they'd have to save all the Yodas on a Yoda planet. I don't think he directed that one. (laughs) To be fair, it's not him. Produced it though, so he wrote the story. Did he? Yes, he wrote the script. Well, yeah, then maybe it's. Maybe that's a good thing. J.J. Abrams can can uh, can do no wrong. It's about dinosaurs that have to like maybe go back in time. They put an ad in a paper. <laughs> Raptors not guaranteed. Yes. <laughs> um, I like that. Sure. Uh, but um, feel like they went the safe route with Ron Howard, and I kind of want to see what they would have done with the solo movie. Yeah, man. Hopefully, they kept some of that. I don't know. Is it possible that? No, that's I have no idea. I think they probably we'll wouldn't never get rid of it. There's no way. There's no way they're going to be anything. like. Well, this is the Ron Howard movie, but you right. know, take a look at what these other guys would have done. There's no way they would have risked like showing their ass like that. It'd be interesting though, like as money hungry and as uh, ready to exploit the franchise. Like, yeah, there'd be an audience for that. There sure would. Solo, the Lord and Miller cut. <laughs> I would fucking love to see what they yeah, would have done yeah. with that movie. And the thing is, now knowing they're kind of like. Seeing Lego Movie and then seeing Into the Spider Verse and kind of now understanding yep. their storytelling style and their humor I and the way they attack things, you can see things in Solo that and you go, "That's Lord and Miller." Like that's still a, a carryover from Lord and Miller. I agree. Um, but yeah, dude, Into the Spider. God, I it's love that just movie so, so much. Uh, again, just um, never seen anything like it. Both visually, I love the the style that they do. Mm-hmm. It's it's been a while since we've seen something like a comic book movie where. They're trying to make it look like a comic book movie. That usually annoys me. Yeah. Um, but Like how Ang Lee tried to do it with the Hulk. Y- yes, exactly, with the panels sliding in and everything. But with this and kind of the Scott Pilgrim things that they're yes. doing with the, the, the on-screen text and the sound effects, mm-hmm. it really works. Yeah. And uh, man, dare I say, this is better than Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah, it is. I think. It absolutely it's is. It's like the, the ultimate Spider-Man movie. It's funny the way that they advertise this movie, though, because they really played up the the John Mulaney Sp- Spider Ham, oh yeah, in, in the ads. I don't I, know if you saw too uh, many commercials. For I think it. what's happening is you're watching a lot of children's programming that and you're seeing it. those versions that, of the commercials. That might be it because they they will yeah, tailor them wa- to the I'm audience. Wa- and then I'm watching the trailers. I'm like, oh my god, this movie's gonna be fucking hilarious. Spider Ham <laughs> is gonna own this movie, yeah. and he really doesn't. No, he's barely in it, which is probably a That's safe bet. Probably, good. I love that that whole thing just kind of uh, is really just a good thirty minutes of the, yeah. of the movie. They don't dwell too much. It's no. really about. The alternate universe, Peter Parker. I don't want to give too much away because you should see this movie if you haven't already. Mm-hmm. Um, but was just really able to capture the heart yes. of Spider-Man, uh-huh. but also the look and feel, and you felt like you're flying through New York City. Oh my god, and it was just great! Like I said, Ultimate Spider-Man story, mm-hmm. oh, oh. almost based kind of on Ultimate Spider-Man. Uh, no. Oh, oh yeah, was, that, that was that one a, of the comic lines. Oh, I didn't, yeah, I, unbeknownst to me, <laughs> that was very good though. Yes, uh, doing a video game playing. Man, we're still plowing away on uh, Breath of the Wild. We got another Divine Beast. So two down, two Which to one? go. Which one? Did you the do the camel? camel? Yeah. That one's tough. It was that tough. One's a tough. And it's good. Get that one out of the way. That's exactly I feel like I can conquer anything now. Conquer but you had to skies. go Link dressed in drag. Yeah. Sexy fucking Link, man. Yeah. yeah. It's a, there was something about that. I was like. Got the curves in all the right I places. Like, Damn, Link's always been a little effeminate. No, but I mean, the ears and the eyelashes. But with, but with that, yeah, I was, he's never been. Like I had to take, Link. I had to take a moment. I was like, <laughs> well, damn, it's not helped by the fact that the way the camera like seductively pans across his waist. Yeah, be, I mean, I know you don't like midriff, so yeah, you know, didn't mind prob- it. Didn't huh? mind it in video games. Right. 
Uh, so it's been a big week for video games for me. Oh, oh yes, it Fucking has. The it? remake of Resident Between Evil Between RE two, fuck, dude, and it's gorgeous. I was it's so great. I was uh, streaming it on Twitch a couple of days ago, or well, I guess it was the night it was released because uh-huh. I wanted to see what all the fuss was about. And oh my god, is that gory? I was watching some streamers as well on Twitch. And they were like answering questions. A lot of people. One of the most annoying things. Like I always turn yeah. off the chat side when I'm watching yeah, Twitch. Me too. But sometimes like they'll, they'll still be reacting to them. And apparently like there's this one streamer that I was watching kept getting the same question. And it was, well, what's the difference between story A and story B? And these motherfuckers. It's so funny now because the game because Resident Evil 2 is like a 20 year old game at yeah, this point. Yeah. Uh, and so a lot of people that are playing it now weren't even alive when it first came out. <laughs> So I'm listening to this guy give the explanation. He's like, oh, yeah, it's kind of like a randomized uh, story, like where th- things are in different places and you go to different locations. And I'm like, no, that, that's, that's actually that's actually not what that means. Uh, Resident Evil 2 was groundbreaking in the way that it told its story because it had two protagonists. Mm-hmm. It was a two-disc game on the original PlayStation. Oh, look out. And so you could play either uh, Scenario 1 with Leon or Scenario 2 or Scenario 1 with, with uh, Claire. What's her name? Yeah. And then, when you finished that, you could play Scenario B with the other character. So basically, what Scenario A is, is one person going through this this story, and then Scenario B is that same story, but you're the other character and what they're doing at the same time. Yeah, oh, cool. So either Claire's going through Story A, where she interacts with these things and meets this person or fights this enemy, or Leon's doing it, and then story B is what's happening on the other side. What's so there are two different. Actually, there's four different ways yeah. to play through it. Huh. But there are two different complete stories that are going I had no on. No idea. Two different ways to tell it, uh, and because that's what they were going off of um, the first Resident Evil. You could be either Chris or Jill. <laughs> that's right. And there was the Chris storyline or the Jill storyline, but both of them you did the same thing. So there was no way to play it like. Oh, this is actually what's happening to this character yeah. while this is happening. No, the stories were kind of completely different, even though you were doing the same That's thing. That's cool. So Resident Evil 2 was just groundbreaking in its storytelling. That's what the difference is between story A and story B, motherfuckers. <laughs> uh, I'm sure they're listening right now. Why don't you pick up a fucking book? Man, don't they feel dumb? <laughs> uh, I know, right? These streamers that are making fucking $20,000 a week I playing know. video games. We're in the wrong business Yeah, this podcast. We're getting nada. Um, so that came out. Then last night, yeah, I saw this Kingdom Hearts three. Never thought it would happen. Gee, I never thought, never in a million years. Like I thought, they kept talking about we're going to be doing it. Kingdom Hearts three, it's going to come out someday. It's going to come out someday, dude. The first Kingdom Hearts game came out in two thousand two. <laughs> well, was it that long ago? Well, yeah, I that think it was about, about right. two thousand two. Sounds yeah. about right. Fucking god, eighteen years, like seventeen years later. Are you kidding? So, uh, so yeah, uh, I tried to find something that I could maybe send Sarah to explain what Kingdom Hearts is. Because it's really hard to just like condense. I don't even understand it fully. Well, I know there's Disney characters and properties, and Final but there's characters. a Final Fantasy and lead character, and uh, it, it just seems like a like an acid. The whole thing started. It was just an experiment. Mm-hmm. It was just that like Final Fantasy was a huge like video game franchise at the time. Uh, it was they were just coming off of releasing Final Fantasy X, I think, mm-hmm. and Disney was trying to get into the video game game <laughs> uh, because their video games weren't really they weren't really performing well. I remember, and so they teamed up with Final Fantasy with with Square 
to make this game Kingdom Hearts, where it's like this person, a Final Fantasy-looking character, mm-hmm. but has some like Disney kind of attributes as well, teams up with Donald and Goofy. So weird. To go through all this. And Seeing it, those different styles of animation. It's weird, but it fucking worked. No? Like, it, it, obviously it worked. I mean, people were clamoring. There was a line out the door last night oh, really? to get the game. Luckily, I finished paying for it, got my number for the line so I could just show <laughs> Wait, up don't whenever. People just fucking download games nowadays? No, what man, you, people still go buy the fucking copy. All right, man. Yeah, dude. <laughs> It's an experience. I prefer. But I'm so, I, I'm so fucking stoked. I oh, got, you haven't even I, played it yet. You've I have, got it. No, dude, I can't. I've got Resident Evil 2 What's still. Matter with you, Joe? I've been playing Crossing Souls on the Switch, which is fucking phenomenal, guys. Mm-hmm. Devolver Digital, they make some good fucking games. They're the minds behind Broforce. Uh, and, and yeah, this Crossing Souls, it's so fucking good. It's a love letter to the 80s, 80s games, Ooh. 80s movies. I just finished a... Uh, it's like a kids on bikes thing, and you're escaping. You're escaping the, this government uh, organization. You're on your bike, and it's this total Battletoads kind of thing, homage, where you have to like you have the hand that's telling you which way to go, oh, and you yeah. got to go up or down or whatever. Oh, and it's I fucking incredibly tough. What a time we're living in. Yeah, dude, I love it. I love that. Our... I said to the guy at GameStop, I was like, <laughs> man, we are living in a fucking awesome time. It's interesting because like our generation is taking over. And it's like, uh, hey, all the shit we had to sit through in the 80s and 90s when all the baby movers were going through their nostalgia, you know, we were having to see their regurgitated childhood memories. Now you've got to sit through ours. It's our turn, bitches. But ours is way better. Ready Player One. Boom. <laughs> all right. So um, so you're playing through Breath of the Wild. Playing through Breath of the sexy Wild. Sexy Link. <laughs> yes. This is God. Getting near the end. This I was very, very confident in my sexuality until I saw that. And I was like, you know, maybe. Hey, listen. We all we all experiment sometimes. Yeah, all have thoughts. Well, that college age. You got to keep an open mind. And yeah. with that, oh, let's kind of get into this movie, man. <laughs> yeah, you do have to have an open mind with this movie <laughs> in, in uh, more ways than one. This is the editing bay on the Next Wave Radio Network. My name's Joe. Mine's Joel. And this is where we come to talk about movies. Sometimes a good movie, sometimes bad movies. No matter what the case, every week we will try to watch a movie, and then come back here, discuss it with each other, and we invite you, our lovely editing bay listeners. To take part in the discussion, just go to facebook.com slash editing bay or put editing bay in the search bar and uh, find that image of the woman with the bleeding eyes. Click on that, and that's where you could talk back to us and let us know what your thoughts are. And if you've got movies you'd like for us to talk about in the future, you could put your suggestions there. This week is, uh, well, you had picked a different movie and then called an audible (laughs) at the last minute. Yeah, I really had uh, some buyer's remorse after uh, I, I... I, was, I felt pressured, Joe. I didn't pick in advance last week, um, and uh, I was looking through the list, and uh, I, I knew that someday we're going to do Superman Returns. We're going to do, speaking of Brian Singer, the yeah. Brandon Routh 2001 or 2002 uh, attempted reboot of Superman, but we had just come off Punisher. It was already a, a comic book uh, property. Yeah. Timing was about the same, 2005 versus 2002. Not that this movie's any different. Um, but uh, right. Oh no! But there aren't any. Two thousand four is when uh, Punisher. No, sure. no, they're not. They're real life heroes. Though, <laughs> oh my god! Um, yes. Well, and, and you had reminded me last week when we recorded, like, oh hey, uh, you're gonna watch that Rent, that live Rent that they have going on, which uh, wasn't live by the it, way. Was it Fox? One they of never one are. of well, one of the performers got injured, <gasps> and so they ended up using a pre-recorded that they version. recorded. Oh no! Yeah. Well, I mean, it was it was it was live to tape then, as yes. they say, right? Exactly. right? Well, it still counts in my book. Exactly. I kind of prefer that because I'm I'm always scared in this post 9/11 world of watching anything any live TV oh anymore. My god. I want to know that everything was safe and okay and then i'll watch the live to tape okay that's my my pessimistic look at things um but um that got me thinking well you know it was about this time this year we did uh sweeney todd that uh-huh. was our musical episode that's for right. 2018 listener sweeney todd episode and um i was trying to find a way out of that superman uh mistake and i was like oh 
Rent. That's a movie that I remember being excited excited about because I hadn't seen the musical, uh-huh. and then kind of scratching my head after seeing the movie version. Yeah, and uh, but you know, hey, that was almost fifteen years ago. Let's take another crack at it, sure, and see. Uh, Especially with the way you feel about the director, what are you know what though? I was Chris Columbus. Yes, admittedly, uh, I have my my uh, quibbles with him, but still did Home Alone. Uh-huh. One of my favorite movies, and yeah. uh, Jumanji. No, not Jumanji. He didn't do Jumanji. What was the other one that I that I like of Chris Columbus? <laughs> Pixels. <Wait>. Yeah. <laughs> no, not that. He did. Oh, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. He did Mrs. Doubtfire. He was a drive-by fruiting. I also love that movie. So, uh, mm. you know what? I'm I'm always willing to be surprised pleasantly. Okay. As we were with Pixels. Well, um, I... I <laughs> Just to give you a little bit of a background on Rent, yes, the film came out in 2005, directed by Chris Columbus, produced by Robert De Niro. What? Mm-hmm. I didn't yeah, see his Robert, name there. Robert De Niro, he's in the very beginning. It's interesting. <laughs> Were you even looking at the credits? Well, he's... No, I uh, no. no. No, Joe. No, I will tell you that uh, this movie is two hours and 15 minutes. Yeah. It did not take me two hours and 15 minutes it's to watch this long film. It, it didn't take me two hours and 15 It took me two days. <laughs> it took me over two days. Uh, to, oh, yeah. to finish watching Best in movie. installments uh, Other movies from 2005 That we've talked about Oh this is my new favorite thing yeah. Well because we just did The 2005 movie I'm not going to list everything But uh, recent movies We've talked about in 2005 Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy Oh yeah Fantastic Four And Doom <laughs> This film had a budget Of about 40 million dollars Yeah The gross Uh oh 31.6 million Not good Mm-mm, No kind of can't rally people to come see a movie about AIDS and dying and <laughs> but but the musical not crowd not paying your fucking rent. You would think you would at least get the musical crowd out because they love uh you know Into the Woods. Yeah. And uh, what was the one that it's came a, out this year? Th- that's a Mary Poppins. Th- yeah, that's a that's a minority crowd. But they still make their money back, which is why they continue no, to make these Ron Marshall go, movies. They'll go see it once. People don't return to see it. This isn't the Avengers, unfortunately. You know, people no, will pay sure. again and again to see that. People pay again and again to see Black Panther. People are not paying again you know, and again to see a movie that tells a story that they've already seen better on stage. I reject that theory because, yes, how do you explain the stage version then? Are, are uh, theater audiences, Broadway audiences more... Um uh, pr- I think there's, primed there's to something, see something a little more. Well, dramatic. there's something a little bit more powerful about mm-hmm. seeing something on stage. Yeah, uh, especially definitely. especially when it's supposed to be on stage. Um, the movie cuts key numbers out of the show. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Uh, well, this this one in particular should have cut, cut a few more. It cu- but it cut some of the better sequences oh, out. That's too bad. So this movie, I could see a rent fan going to see this movie and going, what? Why? Why did they? You know huh? what? And we're going to get into all the fucking details yeah. about that right now. But one of the things I want to talk about is, uh, look, I'm not going to hide the fact that when when I was a kid, about 1995, 1996, mm-hmm. I was in a theater, loved theater, had a fucking scholarship to NYU. Oh, that's really, right. Really fucking dug theater. And Rent was on my radar big time at that oh, point. Oh, yeah. Rent had just hit, what, 94, 95? 96, I think. It was 96. the Hamilton of its time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I loved Rent. I breathed Rent. Like I was I was like, fuck the man. Fuck authority. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, everything is Rent. La vie bohème. La vie bohème. I was Mark. Um, <laughs> and then I went to... Uh, and then I, I, <laughs> I lost my scholarship. Went to Austin for a little bit, came back here, started taking some theater courses at Quad C. Mm-hmm. At, well, now it's called Collin College, <laughs> but it used to be Quad C. Uh, and I had a, a theater professor named Brad Baker, son of a bitch. 
But he was really big into Rent as well mm. and just, like, promoted, like, guys, Rent. In fact, he did a show called Stand Up Tragedy, and he tried to fucking direct it like Rent, like how people oh. did Rent. Then, like, the next season was a show I did with him called As Is, which is an AIDS play. And he, like, okay. tried to fucking do some Rent shit with that as well. <laughs> he fucking was so into Rent that it started making me hate Rent. Uh-huh. Like, I wasn't into it. I wasn't feeling it anymore. This guy was such a fucking asshole. <laughs> That, like, I was working on this show, I was rehearsing this fucking show, get a phone call as I'm going into rehearsal that one of my friends, and ex, in fact, she's an ex-Beth that I've talked about on the podcast mm-hmm. before, got into a fucking wicked car accident. Ooh. And this is like the the emergency responder calling me Holy saying, shit. hey, you are her emergency contact. Wow. She's in a hospital in Denton, and ha- can you please come and come down? And so I... I fucking turn the car around. I call my fucking director and tell him. I leave a message on his phone. I'm like, Brad, a friend of mine got in a horrible car accident. Oh, no. She's in Denton right now. I'm driving up to get her and see her in the hospital. Uh, I will be back as soon as I can if I can. If I can't, I'll shoot you another call. But like, I go up to Denton. I check up on her. Her boyfriend shows up. I make sure everything's good. I'm like, hey, see you later. Please let me know if there's anything I could do. Get back in the car. Drive from Denton back to Quad C in Plano. Mm-hmm. I get back in time for like the break, the halfway point break through the rehearsal. And I show up and everybody's outside and stuff and like kind of, you know, smoking, chatting. I come walking up, everyone's giving me the cold shoulder. Uh oh. Everybody Uh-oh. is giving me the cold shoulder. Message that I'm not didn't there. get through, huh? So I go in and I rehearse the rest of the, the the show and stuff, and one of the one of the people that I'm working with, one of the cast members, shares with me, Oh yeah, Brad told everybody to give you the cold shoulder when you arrived. The fuck? Yeah. Because he said that like you went to go fucking help someone move or something. <laughs> move. I went, what? what I had, a, there was someone in the fucking hospital. What a petty asshole. And so I went and I saw him afterwards. And he was like, oh, I didn't realize she okay. I'm like, yeah, dude, she's fine. But I fucking left you a clear ass message telling you she's in the fucking hospital. Um, so we had even even after that, he and I kind of had like a tumultuous relationship. Yeah, sounds like it. Uh, until eventually I just I fucking left Quad C. And then he fucking called me up to tell me that I had taken out a book and I had never returned it and that I owed <laughs> Is he fucking library I owed, now? I owed the fucking theater department or whatever. Uh, I owed the library at the school, but he was calling me to tell me <laughs> that I owed the library Just give the such check to and me such and I'll money. Take care of it. Well, you know what? Now, here we are like <laughs> 25 years later and I'm thinking, yeah, that is weird that the library didn't contact me. <laughs> He's it was on him. behalf of and so, I brought the money to him because he, like, threatened legal action. <laughs> no way. And uh, on the phone with my mother, threatened legal action. It's extortion. And she's like, Joe, just here. Here's the money. Go give it to him. Wow. And I went up there and gave him the money. And, yeah, I think he fucking just took me for a couple of bucks. <laughs> I love how you're coming to this realization I'm here. coming up with this realization now. On so uh, a little bit of postscript about Brad Baker. Okay. Uh, has lost his position at Quad C. Oh, couldn't um, happen to a nicer guy. Yeah, uh, for, for sexually assaulting <laughs> uh, female students Uh-oh. at the school. Uh-oh. Couldn't have happened to a better guy. <laughs> Fuck you, Brad Baker. <laughs> Rotten hell. So there we go. This has been our Rent episode. <laughs> I think we're 30 minutes in. We've uh, Dude, barely talked it's about fucking it. Ra- Everything is so fucking important. Everything is so important <laughs> that happens the 90s, to these people. Joe, of that course. these self-centered, well, to be selfish fair. fucks <laughs> to be fair, Joe. in this fucking show. This isn't... Everything. It's, it plays out... I think you and I have talked about this before, yeah. where we... You, like a high school production, and like... 
dude, what's going on with Jennifer? Jennifer's not, Jennifer isn't feeling well. She's not feeling well. Hey, dude, have you heard about Jennifer? (laughs) Jennifer, all Jennifer, what's wrong? Like a fucking Twilight movie. Like everybody is Bella in this. Well, to movie. be fair though, Joe, this isn't just like an episode of Friends where they're it talking is. about who it's likes It's Friends you. with AIDS. Friends with AIDS, yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> which is much worse than Friends with Benefits. But uh, well, that's how it starts. But that's how it starts, and then it turns into <laughs> Friends with AIDS. Uh, but I mean, to be fair, that is kind of an important topic, especially in in 1990s, and especially in the theater crowd, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the 90s, I fucking felt this. I thought this was fucking great. I felt the, the artistry, that starving mm-hmm. artist thing. But, I mean, there's a big difference between, like, Joe from 1996, mm-hmm. who was into the expression of it all and, and only saw things from the protagonist's point of view, where I'm like, yeah, fuck you, Mr. Landlord right, in 1980s right. New York. You expect someone you're, who's staying in your building to pay? Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> you don't own me. Yeah, so now you got 2019 Joe, Who's like, bitch, shut the fuck up and pay your bills. Get a job. Right? I mean, I got a wife, I got a kid and a mortgage. And if one of my friends was like, look, I'll let you live in this beautiful property that I'm going to renovate and fix up for nothing. As long as you get your friend to maybe pipe down on the civil discord a little bit. I'd be like, where the fuck do I sign? Where can I sign? Because you know what? There's something to be said for security and, and peace of mind. And I guess that just means that at 41 years old, I'm totally for sale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can buy and sell my ass. But 1996 Joe's. I was like, like, fuck it, man. Fuck you, Tay Diggs. Yeah. You can't Rochester's have. Tay Diggs. <laughs> You'll see, boys. <laughs> uh, no, I hear you. Uh, a, a bit heavy handed. A, a uh, bit. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Uh, but again, fits right in there with 90s, um, the, the sensibilities we had back then and the way we we're expressing ourselves. Because this was still very like avant garde. Just the fact that. Like, you the know, alphabet the, city avant-garde. The, 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 <laughs> nice, of course. The musicals that we grew up with, I mean, like Phantom of the Opera was cutting edge yeah. right at the time. And even that, like looking back on Fiddler it Fiddler on the Roof was cutting old, edge. Old-fashioned, yeah, exactly. I and mean, that's like just a step above like vaudeville. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you know, South Pacific and all those old yeah. Rogers and, and Hammerstein. So uh, just the fact that there is a musical... And oh my god, we have homosexuals. We've got lesbians. We've got people. And everyone, AIDS. everyone we has AIDS. Problems like that joke from fucking Team America. Yeah, everyone South, has, but South they do. Is probably right everybody, on. everyone in the show, everyone. Like yeah. it used to be like at least what I remember. And I was a kid. Granted, I was a kid in the eighties, but it always seemed like, oh, he, that person's got AIDS. Oh, well, do you know? No, just heard stories, things on the news, but. In this little fucking burg in New York, <laughs> man, fifty percent. It like it seems <laughs> you line up five of you, four of you have AIDS. Yeah, it does seem that way. Like Roger Collins, mm-hmm. Angel, yeah, uh, Mimi. What, yeah, what the fuck, man? Are there's some shit you guys should probably get yourselves fucking tested a little more often. <laughs> and honestly, you know what? I wouldn't be so worried about AIDS killing you because if you keep enduring that winter draft through your broken skylight <laughs> in New York City, you're going to die of fucking hypothermia. Like That's going to fucking happen. Fuck AIDS. It's going to be, you're going to freeze to fucking death. It's, uh, times are tough rent. all over. Yeah. Pay your fucking bills. <laughs> That's what the lesson of this movie. Because honestly, what is the lesson? What is learned? What's the lesson? What is the takeaway? No, no. What is the lesson that's learned here in this show? What is what is learned? What do we learn? What what kind of understanding do we gain other than the fact that yeah, AIDS was hard. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> damn the man, damn the man. AIDS the was empire. hard. That love conquers all, Joe. Well, love with who? <laughs> the wrong kind of love ends up killing you, so it doesn't that's, conquer that's, all, does it? That's, that's a good point. <laughs> 
Hey, let me ask you this. Okay. Tay Diggs at the beginning of the show. I'm so uncomfortable. He was. <laughs> Why are you uncomfortable? Because I feel like you picked this movie. I know. And you opened this box. We Pandora. should have just done Superman Returns because. <laughs> and I'd have still been like, just... and then AIDS. <laughs> Remember when he gets Superman AIDS? He gets that it's called kryptonite. kryptonite. That's what they call it. It was kryptonite. It's not called. It's not called Superman AIDS. <laughs> oh shit! No, I am because I'm. I'm so worried about like using the wrong phrase or you know like offending AIDS? anybody. Because no, I don't no, think not that's that. wrong. <laughs> not that. Uh, there's a lot of alternative lifestyles here, Joe, yeah. and um, I'm. I'm not uh, up to up to. Part with Joe, the, the nomenclature. Are you afraid of losing your dignity? No. Will someone care? Uh, I'm, Will well, you wake tomorrow? If I repeat from this nightmare, maybe if I repeat it fifty odd times, <laughs> make over a row, row, row your boat song out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll do a round of. Will uh, I lose my dignity? my dignity? So let's get into the music a little bit Will here. Will someone care? Because clearly you're you're intimately familiar with the uh, soundtrack. I you did know three songs, songs from Rent. <laughs> I know. A karaoke like regularly. Yeah, oh, that, wait, I wait. like the music from Rent. No, I do I like most mo- most of the music? I like Joe. Most? I like. <laughs> wait, I like a good percent. I like the first act more than I like the second act. Yeah, there there are a there, handful of great songs in this that I think but, saves it ultimately. But then it suffers from the filler, like we were talking about with with Sweeney Todd. Oh yeah, the the what was it where he I kept singing? Jo- Joanna. The one for this one is I should tell you. Uh, I, I should, should tell, tell you, you. I should tell you. I should tell you. <laughs> I think they I say it like seventy-two I times. Tell you yeah. Where do I wish somebody would tell somebody fucking something. <laughs> something. Tell me what. <laughs> Like, remember all that bullshit conflict that happens with the, with like ten minutes left in the movie? There's all this bullshit conflict, and then like they find me. Where's Mimi, guys? Do you know where Mimi is? Mimi, she's lost. I'm gonna put out flyers. Mm. Flyer? Like, what is she a dog? It's just a she, new, she's just New dog. York. It's, it's not fucking just, Muncie, Indiana. Know, right? You're not gonna put out flyers. And so she's like, tagged. If you see her, <laughs> she's she, got a birthmark on her face. She responds to Muffy. <laughs> uh, no, but so they bring her in, and like. I should tell you. I should. I should dying. tell you. I should tell you. You better I'm say like, something. Someone fucking tell someone something. She's gonna resolve die. this conflict because you're not going to. Now, none of this conflict actually gets resolved. And the only conflict was that he was afraid to commit. He was afraid to commit and because. Like, oh, now I've realized I love you the whole and, time. And why was he afraid? To, they both had AIDS. And just <laughs> so, where are they going? No loss. Also, wait. At the beginning of the show, I, I think I fucking skipped over this. Benny's married, right? Isn't he married? Mm, they talk about how he his, does make reference. His, his his father-in-law owns the fucking property. And that's right, yeah. But then in Act 3, Benny's dating Mimi. What? Yeah. Remember like where Roger's like, "Are you with this guy?" And Mimi's with Benny. Like they're they're like together. Oh shit, I missed that. Yeah. But the thing is, I'm like, "Oh, okay, well maybe Benny got divorced and that's why this happened." But he didn't they just because wrote that part he out. like he's he's hanging out in their apartment when he brings their shit back yeah. and he's like, "Well, I've got another offer. We're prepared to up." And I'm like, "Okay, if you had divorced your wife, I'm sure you still wouldn't be working for her father as like yeah, a property that seems manager." Yeah, weird. You'd probably so be let go. What's the connect? And I know there's a rent fan who knows the history of these characters. <laughs> I'm sure. So please fucking clarify this for me. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's so, and I don't know if that's in the play, if that's the same thing. I know there's a lot of, there's a lot of differences between the play and the movie. In fact, like 
In this, in the movie, Angel dies in the course of a fucking montage. Whereas in the play, he has a fucking number, a musical, like a, a, a number called Contact, mm. which is like he goes out with like a bang. Like it's oh, it's really good like and that. it's fitting for his character. Well, that's too bad because he kind of just withers away just withers in a hospital away. bed in this yeah. film. And it's like if you pay your fucking bills, maybe he wouldn't have to be like freezing and dying on a subway. <laughs> Maybe he could be in a warm well, Joe, house. They're living that V-Bo-M. They can't yeah, be well. told what to do. They're artists. <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard for me because like, I kind of... like La V-Bo dead. I was... Oh, geez. what he is. I was totally uh, you know, into this idea, as I guess most young people are, especially if you have a, a modicum of talent or, or you're interested in that uh, pursuit. But uh, yeah, as a 40-year-old, it's just like, I- I'm with you, Grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> just like, Grandpa. Get a job, kids. Just get, yeah. Times are hard all over. Pay your fucking bills, man. Um, but, but staying on the music, since this is a musical, um, and I'm having trouble because I have to judge, I'm trying to judge this film and not so much the musical. Like, you know, musicals you is the only thing I haven't you done. You can't separate the two. Especially when it comes to the music. And it's interesting that the, the songs they decided to cut out, according to you, versus the ones that they left in. Because yeah. there's a couple of stinkers in there, man, that are just like fucking... Like I'm watching MTV. Which way? Which Rogers one? standing, you know, with on a, on a in a canyon with rocks in the background. Oh, I see. I like the song. I like "You're What You Own." I like the song because it's what brings them back. Yeah. But the problem with it is, like in the stage show, it's a little more powerful because they're on stage separate, and then they find their ways back together. Like in the fucking movie, he's. You know what? <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm. You know, I'm jettisoning the point that I was about to make with that. Oh. Instead, I'm gonna just put it on this. All right. The guy who plays Roger mm-hmm. is a shitty film actor. Yeah. Uh, he is Anthony Pascal. He is a shitty film actor. He's really bad. He is one of the he's one of the people that doesn't make the transition well at all yeah. in this. And there's a couple from the fucking original show. In fact, the, this whole cast the, yeah. is the original cast except for Rosario Dawson and the, the girl who plays Joanne. And the Law and Order dude, right? He no, in he this. was in it. Was he? Yeah. He was in Bro- on Broadway? Jesse Martin? Oh, yeah. interesting. He's, he originated the Collins role. Oh, hell yeah. And I think that's that says something because Jesse Martin is so fucking engaging yeah. and like powerful and good in this role. I agree. And I, I believe wholeheartedly that it was based on the merits just of this is what got him the Law and Order gig. Like, oh. hey, this guy's really good. Like, huh. we should probably use him for something. Because he's so... You can't take your eyes off him. And he's the most hes the most likable character. I agree. As you're going through this film, mm-hmm. the Collins character really helps hold things together. Adam Pascal, I think the Roger character on paper is fantastic. But the way he plays him in this movie, it's almost like someone said, okay, now when you're on film, you got to play a little more subtle. <laughs> yeah. And he went too subtle. Too subtle. Oh, really? Where he's like just Mister Emotionless. Like, yeah. There's <laughs> where he's he's singing to Mimi at the end. He's like, "You could see it in my." Eye. I'm like, "Bitch, I can't I, see I, shit I in your eyes. See, yeah. Your eyes are dead. Like you don't ex- you don't express yourself at all. Uh, if, you always have this like just shit eating smirk the whole time <laughs> yes. you're walking around. At least Anthony Rapp, the guy from fucking Adventures and Babysitting. Yes, he's uh, he's he really emotes. He he owns it. But the thing is, I've seen a million neurotic Jewish guys in movies, yeah. and he's no different. He's just got a, he's got a great energy. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jesse Martin, the the guy who plays Angel, I think went the other way that that Roger. Like hmm. instead of playing it subtle, he's still playing to the back of the room. Well, I got to tell you, everything. I could not make it through the uh, the today for you number. 
Oh, really? Yeah. No. Uh, it, uh, Is it the voice or was it just the number? It's the, it's the, the song, using that word loosely, but also the, uh, the lyrics. A lot of the lyrics in this, there are some great one-liners, there's some great um, verses throughout all of the songs. But maybe we there's were a, just fighting to find words that rhymed with And there's a lot, yes, there's a lot of uh, Sesame Street here, and especially in that musical number. He, he almost literally does like a, my name is something and I'm here to say. Uh-huh. And he even rhymes it with her. A Vita. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not as strong. Um, but for every one of those, there's a, a, lot of the, a lot of the lesser... Oh, I say lesser known, but like... So when I think of Rent, I think of the you know, 5,000... Seasons of Love. Everybody knows that one, right? Uh-huh. That was the everyone, big one. Everyone knows Love, Ebohem. There's Everybody knows that. And then there's the one that was played in the trailer. No, no, What is it? No Day But Today. Uh, oh, yeah. There's only... Yeah, No Day But Today. Yeah, that's yeah. what it's called. So those are the, the three big ones, right? I think that's what it's called. Most yeah. of the others did not resonate with me. Mm-hmm. I thought were, were filler. But for every one you of those... You like Santa Fe? I love Santa Fe. Yeah, that's a fucking great tune, man. I loved... Uh, um, oh, where was so it? I sang that song to my daughter today. She cried. Did, I, did I already mention that? You did mention that. Yeah. But not, in a, not Tears of Joy. Oh, yeah. No, not to, no, no. She was scared. Because I, I put my voice... I made my voice go deep like Collins. Like I started off, I go, Well, I'm thwarted by metaphysic puzzle. And she started kind of smiling, and I got to the, and I'm sick of grading papers that I know. And she just started crying. She's like, stop it, stop it. You do and voices I, all the time, and though. It's so she, weird. She did not like me yeah. singing that song. She's just not a Rent fan. <laughs> I guess not. But I, I, I love that tune. I don't like the Take Me or Leave Me. Uh, I don't like Maureen's cow jumped over the moon bit. No. I love the Tango Maureen. Love Tango Maureen, yeah. And um, light my candle. Would you light my candle? Yes. I like that one a lot. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, the, that was another part that I couldn't make it through. The Adina Menzel. Uh, Adele Dazim. Uh, <laughs> as uh, last week's John Travolta mm-hmm. would pronounce it. Um, yeah, that whole number she did. did it just went on and on. It and, does And go here's on a theme with this. Um, there are a lot of songs and scenes that kind of overstay their welcome. Yes. Like, and especially when it gets to the end of a song and the refrain is on repeat over and over again. It, I, I was always done with the song a minute before the song was over. Yeah. And that's a problem in a mm-hmm. musical. I, I agree. Uh, and that's why songs and musicals are usually only two minutes long. Yeah, uh, that you don't want to go too long. You want to keep the momentum going. Also, they're pretty constant. Like uh, I found myself kind of a lame is like there's there's certain yes. moments. And yeah, it's yeah. almost like the moments that have dialogue are forced. Oh, you thought like so? They, like they feel a little forced because I feel like I was getting to know the characters during those dialogue scenes, and then somebody would start to break out of the song, and my, uh, it was that. <laughs> that's, that's the worst part. Like that's what you don't want in your musical. That when when you feel a song coming on, you hear that doom. In the backdrop, you're like, oh shit, someone's going to start singing. Bohem. Yeah. They're, they're, see, it's not so much that it goes on forever, that a single song goes on forever. It's just that, and you did touch on this, that like there's like three different reprises for every song. Mm-hmm. Like oh, La yeah. Vie Bohem. They like, stop singing. They stop singing. And, they come back to it. and it goes into like Roger and Mimi with the, I should tell you. I should tell like, you. You have AIDS? I have AIDS. <laughs> do you have AIDS? I do. <laughs> Mimi. <laughs> And then, like, they, they have their whole bit. Then they come back in. They kiss. Everyone cheers. And then it's like, let's get back into La Vie Bohème. Remember yep. how fun that was? Yeah, but we're over to that now. I'm like, and... over that. The best part of the song's done. Now, yeah. you, you already chased Benny out. Why are you still doing La Vie Bohème? Mm. Um, yeah, the, yeah, the uh, 
will I lose my dignity? That refrain just over and over. And it, and it takes away from the impact that it's supposed to have. I disagree with you there. Oh, interesting. I think that the impact for, especially the message, that's one of the... Okay. Uh, confession, the, um, the support group scenes really affect... Like, they touched yeah. me pretty deeply. Like, I thought... And, and they're not long scenes, Mm-mm. but just especially, like... The words of "Will I lose my dignity? Will someone care? Will I wake tomorrow from this nightmare?" Mm-hmm. And that's all they sing. And it's these people that only the people in this circle can really truly understand right. the struggle, the pain, the fear. And and it's all about like not letting. Will I lose my dignity? Like at the end, will I lose my dignity? Will I not? Will I be less of a person than I was? Uh, it's it's all those fears that are running through their head because these people know they're living on a ticking clock now. Yeah. And so there's something about like every time, every day, especially that second one uh, where they start singing the "Will yeah. I Lose My Dignity?" and uh, like I start tearing up at the end. I always start tearing, okay. and like with and Mark's like whining a camera, and there's yeah. a different like Mark kind of has his thing too, where mm-hmm. he's like, "Wow, like this is a really personal moment," mm-hmm. and oh here's here's Roger and 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 then what sells it at the end? Collins just fucking taking Roger yeah, in his and arm, his wing. and I'm like, damn. But so that that makes me that that gets me teared up because honestly, I would understand with almost any other song, but with that song, nothing else needs to be said. Mm-hmm. And so them doing that in the round and it kind of doing the row 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 your boat, it, it resonates. It resonates as as lives affect other lives and touch other lives, and we start to echo each other. That's what that song kind of represents to me. So I dig it. Then I think uh, we're we've come to. The, the big theme of this film, which is uh, the musical, I, like, I, I can only imagine how this plays on stage. I'm uh-huh. sure I would love it. I, I'm sure I'd love it much more than the film. Yeah. Um, and so maybe because you're familiar with the, the you've seen this on stage? Before? I've seen most of it on stage. Okay, okay. Um, which is more than I've seen, and, and you were familiar with the music when it came out. So you're kind of, you have a history with it. Yes. I only have the movie. Mm-hmm. And this is not a good uh, stage to screen adaptation no, of a it's, musical. It's horribly it's imbalanced. It's one of the worst, I think, mm-hmm. actually. And I, I, and I can only you. blame Christopher Columbus for not really having a vision for how to do this properly I th- and do it all justice. And I think talking about the La Vie Bohème number, as that ends and then it fades, and it's almost like it fades right into intermission. No, like you yes, can tell there is that a is fade where, to black. That is where the intermission would be because that is where an act ends. And you can tell with the fucking play, and I get it if you're if that's what you're trying to do. But this is a film. This is a movie. This is right. its own thing, yep. and you can't just treat it like. And that's the problem with this film. It feels like like this is just one step removed from like a, a PBS special, uh-huh. like a filmed stage uh, presentation of like yeah. Into the Woods. Now, the the note that I put down, this is. The, the fading right into black like an act break. This is kind of a perfect example of what the movie consistently gets wrong, mm-hmm. reminding us that it is was a stage production yes. first. And this isn't only... it's This isn't the only musical to do it, but it lacks the seamless transition yep. that even Sweeney Todd had possessed. Yeah. Also, this movie has such a problem with balance and... It's oftentimes frustrating. Like you totally buy and feel the relationships between the players that had been performing this for years. Mm-hmm. Like you know, mm-hmm. uh, Jesse Martin and Adam, uh, Adam, whatever his name is, yeah. Pascal, Pascal, Anthony, um, uh, Anthony Rapp. Yep. Uh, like all the people that were in the show before, you feel the relationships between them. They they, they seem very tangible. Um, there's they bring. 
the like Angel when when they're performing like when Anthony Rapp is performing with Rosario Dawson mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. there's something they bring to it you know and for all of her talent she just doesn't quite achieve that same engagement that they do like even though I cannot stand Adam Pascal the part <laughs> on the subway train or on the bus or whatever when they're singing Santa Fe like yeah, there's still a, really a camaraderie that He's... you feel there's a deeper thing than just putting actors on a screen yeah you could tell like. You get that feeling. These are people that spend a lot of no, time with each you're other. You're absolutely right. They do a great job. You feel that uh, familial feeling. But, um, but when they're out of that, when they're out of that that centralized group, yeah. it feels very artificial. Chris Columbus doesn't know what to do with them. And his idea of, uh, all right, what do you do to fill time if you know, <clears throat> normally someone would be on stage singing this song, blowing their heart out? I can't just film that. Uh, well, let's have uh, Anthony Rapp just walk down the street and alley really quickly yeah. while he's singing. That'll bring it momentum, and that'll bring it... Let, let's get the 360 let's, cam, the Reservoir Dogs cam. We'll just go around everybody in a let's circle. Let's have Mimi leave her, her dingy strip club and like sing while she's down the street. She's singing, walking, skipping down the street. Yes. The same street that Collins, like 30 minutes before, got fucking mugged for his jacket. Yeah, that's right. You're telling me she's not getting fucking assaulted or something? Yeah, absolutely. And she's just like, I want to go out tonight. <laughs> I did like that number though, and I will it's a stand good up. Number. I will stand up for Rosario Dawson because I thought she was great in this. She does good. No, I'm not sure if that's her singing voice, but if it is, then it, more you know, good honor. It is her singing voice, but you could tell in another day that she's auto tuned. I thought so. There's yeah. a little. There's one little point that I can a, always I can always pick a out a lack of vibrato that she kind of shows that maybe that she's not she's not trained. Yeah, on stage, but she does well. She she really does I a really good job, her. and and she is definitely the better half of her and Adam Pascal in oh, yeah. this film. He's kind of a zero. He's totally a fucking zero. <laughs> like I feel so bad because it's like almost everybody else in this movie has gone on to do other shit. Adam Pascal, I'm sorry, hmm? I'm pretty sure you sing uh, car toys, the car toys jingle, <laughs> a better way to go. That's the other thing. He his voice. I like that is the stereotypical '90s yeah. uh, you know, pussy rock <laughs> musical voice. <laughs> like it just it, it bugs me, mm-hmm. and it's I think it's one of the things that dare I say most people don't like about musicals. Yeah, uh, like, yeah, it's it's pretty traditional, and that's why Hamilton is such a big hit because oh, here's music. That sounds like the music we listen to on the radio. Yeah. It's just in this... It doesn't have to be all fucking Andrew Lloyd Webber, you know, rock operas from when the I, 70s. I think that's why Anthony Rapp worked really well for Rent. Why people like that character. People kind of identify better with him because of the stuff that he say. And he's got one solo called Halloween oh, that, yeah. that gets it's cut out of this movie. Um but that number's fantastic where he's kind of recapping. It's after all the friends. It's right after Angel's funeral and everybody goes their separate ways and Mark has this one like solo. Oh God, there's that, more after that? But it's so good. Oh, it's Jesus a really Christ. good number. Again, a really good number. Right. Um, it's just way too much there's, after there's that There's a happens. lot. There's, fuck, there's a lot. It's too long. Here's the problem. The conflict, that whole blow up should have happened like maybe 15 minutes sooner and then there'd be a little... So this movie goes on and it's on and on and on about oh, yeah. fucking. I'm not gonna. Okay, <laughs> it goes. What, what did I put down for the, the 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 movie? Basically says, okay, we dealt with the whole AIDS and eviction thing for mm-hmm. the past like 45 minutes to an hour. Mm-hmm. Let's stop down now. 
Uh, and pad time with this whirlwind trip through Maureen and Joanne's relationship for a while. Oh, which is my least favorite part of the, like, I didn't give two fucks yeah. about any of those characters, or at least the way they're related to each other. For like 1989, I felt like both Joanne and Maureen's parents were really progressive. <laughs> don't, don't do that. They're showing up at their like non-wedding, yeah. and then uh, everybody kind of seems cool with the fact that oh, they're breaking up at their wedding. Yeah. Like and, already, fact, Maureen's mom is like, "Does this mean you think you guys will start dating again?" <laughs> I, know. I was like, "No, she's Maureen is openly hitting on the bartender." And that's so sloppy and disgusting, too. Like, it feels a little... Uh, it, I, just the fact that they were playing their relationship as dysfunctional felt... A, it wasn't doing them any favors. I, I just... Beyond sexuality, I lament the fact that you have a talent like Adina Menzel and she sings one song. Like two, maybe. Like one and a half. Yeah. Uh, she gets like, solo in uh, 5,000, 2,600 yeah. minutes. <laughs> seasons of Love. What is this? Thank you, seasons of Love. Five thousand five hundred twenty-five thousand six hundred minutes. You know what? There speaking of that, speaking of how you know characters were handled, mm-hmm. did it seem to you that Mark was always kind of held a little loftier than everyone else? Like, not so much in the in the sense that he's the odd man out. He's the hero of, and the, thus uh... everything's chronicled through his eyes. But mm-hmm. more like, I don't know. I feel like the way he's written, it's like whoever wrote it, and I, I don't think it was Jonathan. I think his name's Jonathan Larson. Larson. Yeah, I don't think he did. I think maybe it was more the transition to screen. Like, they tried to make him the best of the group. Like, the fact yeah. that he stays out of the drama and he stuff. He doesn't have AIDS. And he's the best of the group. He's the white, disease-free straight man. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. That's true. And and I kind of, like, there's always these weird, like, I, I don't want to use the term hero shots, but there's always these, like, cutaways to Mark who gives us, like, a look, and it tells the audience how they're supposed to feel about yeah. what's going on. We're definitely on. supposed to relate through yeah. him. Yeah. And I... I I didn't like that. Like there was, so, I never noticed that until watching it this last time. Mm. And I was like, "Why are we keep? Why do we keep cutting away to Mark to get the cue on how we're supposed to?" I feel? do think he is the uh, the author's or the the composer's uh, director's. Well, he did everything, right? That guy, Jonathan Larson. Yeah. Um, I, I do think he's that. That's the, his conduit yeah. into this world, and he, and we're kind of looking through his eyes through that character because of the way all these characters talk. I felt like all of them were Jonathan Larson's conduits. Oh, sure, yeah. Like, this movie suffers from a little bit of Kevin Smithism. It's got his own voice. Where everyone speaks the same. Like, if you were to just read these characters on paper, they all talk the same way. Uh, and, yeah. and there isn't really a distinct voice for anybody. There's a lot of talk about how important Angel was to their group yeah. and, and what he brought to them and how he brought the best of them out. But we don't see Didn't it. really see a lot of that, no. unfortunately. Uh, just kind of seemed like almost like a sidekick character. Mm-hmm. Like, a, you don't really get to... She... She... <laughs> well... Is there for our entertainment. I, I, had, I, had, I had written a note, because they're doing the, uh, the eulogies and stuff, and Rosario Dawson keeps referring to Angel as she, and then Anthony Rapp comes up and immediately is talking about he, but then, like, I had to scratch out my note because he corrects himself. Uh, okay. And he goes... She. There you go. She, okay, sorry. good, good. I did it right. Yeah. That's why I'm so nervous. <laughs> that, was <it. laughs> that was it? That's what you were worried about? No, no, but uh, yeah, it was kind of played as this, this jovial character, but not a real person. Yeah. Um, and, and it was really just there to kind of die on the cross uh-huh. and be the symbol for this film. And in fact, even kind of gross the way they end the film, like that last shot. That's supposed like to the, be like, the, oh, here he is in black and white looking at the camera. Like, don't forget, this is the most important thing. This is the most important thing. If you have character. one takeaway. And it's like, well, again, to your point, what's the theme of this film? Aside right. from, 
Well, shit happens. Shit, shit happens. Shit happens. There's AIDS. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. love. So why, like, the gay man has to die, mm-hmm. but the straight woman ends up living. That's that's right. You know, speaking of hypothermia, that comes back. Oh, uh, she's she's freezing out in the park. Poor Rosario Dawson. According to this play, it takes three men to carry her up the stairs. <laughs> and Fat I'm like, shaming. She doesn't look. Rosario she does Dawson. not look big at all, man. Like I'm sure one of you. <laughs> Uh, just one of you could have. Ca- I I wonder if Adam Pascal just couldn't pick her up. And he so, does seem like a, he seems kind of wafy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Speaking of his character, uh, is it cool, Joe? Does it break etiquette to just like walk into a uh, private support group meeting with your camera and just be like, "Oh, hey, you guys, mind oh, Mark- if I uh, film <laughs> well, your he asks? Uh, your he very does, personal." He does ask. Yeah, he, he asks there in front of everybody, where it's like, "Who's going to say no?" Like, I feel like you need a sidebar with the instructor ahead yeah. of time. Maybe there's some. Uh, so maybe he has a moment with people beforehand be and says, "Hey guys, yeah, um, someone's approached and they want to do, they want to film for a documentary. If you don't want to, but it's if fine. You don't want to. I can tell them no. Yeah, uh, but exactly. I want to see if it's okay. Instead of putting them on the spot, hey, I got my camera here. Uh, but now you're the guy that said that you this movie took too long, and now you want to add." <laughs> stuff to it <laughs> i just want to add some reality to well it. That's and that's the thing about musicals is you you've got to be willing to like suspend your disbelief true, that you is do true. have to be and, and now that being said i'm the same guy that's got notes that's like after they come back from the act break and they go back it's like new year's day mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they go back to their apartment and there's like a padlock on the door and they're like what the fuck who would put a fucking lock on the door? I'm like, you haven't paid your fucking rent. You have not paid. This is what happens when you don't pay rent. And then they bust in and they go into their they go into their apartment and like everything. And they're like, what the fuck? They took all our shit. I'm like, yes, yeah, they took your shit because you didn't pay rent. Like these are the consequences. That's the problem. That's why more than half of you in this group have AIDS because you've never thought of the consequences of your action or inaction. I'm feeling much better about choosing this movie this week than uh, Superman Returns. I'm just afraid of the you're, hate mail that's You're saying all the bigoted things that I cannot or will not say. Thank you, Joe. Taking the bullet for us. Grandpa Joe. <laughs> Look, man, I, I'm not saying when that When are they going to make America great again? I'm not saying that. And I'm not saying people... Do, I'm just saying, like, the characters... I'm not saying anyone deserves AIDS. <laughs> Seriously. But well, I'm I am, glad you cleared that But I that am up. saying, when you don't pay rent it's for over a year, and you walk to your front door, and there's a lock on the <laughs> don't door... Don't be surprised. Don't be fucking surprised. <laughs> and don't expect me, at this point, at 41 years old, yeah. to sympathize yeah, for and you. And then be indignant at the person. How dare he? <laughs> right? Because you know what? Will someone care? I don't. <laughs> that you lost your apartment? No, you're in the hospital. You're dying. No. I do care about that. Sure, I don't care about you losing your foot. Fu- no. Get a fucking job. And like that's one of that's one of the conflict points of this movie <sighs> where they're like, "Damn it, what are we gonna do?" And they're and like Anthony Rapp at, at Mark. He's like, "Well, I could go get a job." And I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> yes. What makes you so fucking special, Mister Artist? <sighs> go get a fucking job and support your fucking habit." Jesus. And we're in this apartment, this empty-ass apartment, this empty-ass apartment, and Adina Menzel comes walking around the corner, and she's got a bag of chips. Mm-hmm. All that. And a bag of <laughs> and chips. And a bag of chips. But where did she find chips? Where <laughs> did she find chips? There's nothing in there. They took everything out of the apartment, and she fucking found a bag of it's chips. It's actually her uh, travel chips. She uh, always carries them around with her. I find it hard to believe that the Maureen character met a successful lawyer like Joanne. Yeah, like where? How that relationship is like really that she weird. She lived homeless, basically squatting in a fucking apartment mm-hmm. with like, in a commune with like five dudes, and like then struck off on her own and and met a successful lawyer. 
You know, her and Tay Diggs were married for a while. I do know that. It's a little yeah. sign. Yeah, they were Rochester's Tay Diggs, man. Uh, yeah, it's around. It's funny to to think about that because you know, like each of them tried to hitch their wagon to the other one. Oh right, thinking like they're going somewhere. Oh Tay Diggs, he's he, and Tay Diggs got somewhere qu- first. Tay Diggs from Go. Yeah, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Rochester's Tay Diggs. Wow. He did a TV show for a bit, mm-hmm. but then like Adina Menzel kind of hit. Yep, she was on Glee. She frozen. She's gonna live off those frozen ridges, yeah, residuals forever. But the thing is, not rent. But you don't really, you're not really seeing her do much anymore. You hear her a lot. Well, she doesn't have to. She was a star of stage before film. And so. I kind of feel like neither one of them do. I think Tay Diggs is still doing fucking Broadway stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, both artistic and, and very good in their own right. I thought Tay Diggs was good in this movie. He's fine. Benny. I was disappointed. And he originated that role. That was his. That's right. Yeah. Disappointed that they didn't give him uh, more to do. And he like he actually more. does it in the play when they bust right. in when they're like what the fuck they put a lock on the door and they bust in they go upstairs they actually catch Benny bringing their stuff back ah uh. and he kind of explains what had happened but he wanted to get them their stuff back uh, Benny pays for Angel's funeral oh. in the play uh, they don't talk about that in the movie because yeah. they're too busy vilifying him. Yeah, I was just gonna say and and I'm. <laughs> Like that whole opening thing with them where they're like, what happened to Benny? What yeah. happened to his heart? I'm like, he had bills he had to pay. Yeah, he got a job. Like, why are we vilifying people that decide like, okay, I need to fucking take responsibility and... No, that's not Love Evo M show. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, I, I should tell you. I, I should, should tell you. I should tell you. I should tell you. That I should tell you. We uh, we don't have time anymore for all this. No time. No, there's no time. There's no time. Mm-mm. There's only us. <laughs> <laughs> no day but today. Do what? What do you have? Because I've kind of dominated the discussion. Uh, no, no, I'm right along there with you, and I think uh, my thoughts can be summed up in uh, the next segment of our little podcast. Okay. Here. So, what did Rent do right? So, it's got a handful of great songs, right? Mm-hmm. It's got a couple of good ones. Yeah. It's got a lot of filler. That's fine. I, I think the ones that are good, uh, the greatness of the other songs uh, compensates, right? You can't throw out the, the baby with the bathwater. Sure. And it's also got sincerity. It's got heart. Yes, this is kind of like, you know, somebody, you know, who was our age back in the 90s dealing with these issues, de- just doing it in front of everybody, you know, on stage, just p- putting his heart out there. Yeah. And you have to respect that. And especially, man, the story behind this guy is so sad, just that, like, he never, he, he literally died, like, yeah. it was... Never it was got a, to see the show. It was an undiagnosed heart issue the day before the premiere, or the, his off-Broadway premiere. And then here it is. Here we are in 2019, watch, talking about uh, the movie adaptation of his uh, stage production. So, uh-huh. it, sad that he never got to see that success. Um, so... I think that story kind of propelled this, but I think it has enough uh, of its own qualities uh, to merit its success. Uh-huh. Um, I do think that some of the songs are really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a good-looking movie. Uh, if you're going to adapt a film that takes place in one of the darkest times in the history of New York City, yeah. they still did a decent job of making it bearable good, to look at. Good cinematographer. Yep. Uh, also in the realm of the cream rising to the top, keeping uh, a number of the original cast members was a great idea. Yeah. While Rosario Dawson and Tracy Toms, uh, she was the one that played Joanne. That's right. They're fantastic in their own right, but there's a shorthand that I was talking about that you definitely feel between the people that originated these yeah, roles. They have that experience, uh, that shared experience. And while we talked about how, unfortunately, some of the actors struggle with the transition to film, uh, the most moving performances definitely come from returning players. Um, Jesse L. Martin, Collins, yeah, outshines everybody in this film. He just leaps off the screen 
and engages you from the first moment. His affection for the other characters, it's it's so sincere and penetrating. Mm-hmm. Um, Don't use that word. It, it's <laughs> <laughs> Not for rents. <laughs> but because of that, it's no wonder to me that he went on to do to have a successful TV career yeah, with Law and Order. That's great. Uh, Anthony Rapp is great. Wilson Germain Heredia. Uh, I know you didn't like him very much, but he works in the right combination. Him and Collins, uh, Angel and Collins Wait, are no, very I, good no, with I, each I other. I liked Angel. You just didn't like the the song. Uh, no, I did not like that song. No. Okay. Um, and and thought they could have fleshed out that character a little more. So did you like? I'll cover you. Oh. You be my queen. I'll be your moat. It's fine. It's, it's fine. It's it's a nice. It's a little ditty. It's a nice ditty, and I think the only reason that song really exists is for the funeral at the end when Colin sings it. Yeah. In a somber fashion. Yeah. Um, the uh, I thought Adina Menzel. She's a superstar. Like yeah. These all these people that returned. They're they're really good, except for Ed Pascal. They're all <laughs> really good, and it's nice that they brought in a name like Rosario Dawson. It was smart to try to bring in someone that audiences we're familiar with. Mm-hmm. I think it probably would have been smarter to bring in someone a little more famous because you've got so many people that no one has really heard of. Bring it. You need to bring in someone a little bit bigger, but then you run the risk of every time they're on screen, someone going, oh, it's that person. Yeah, yeah. you don't want to pull a Russell Crowe. Yeah. Just get a name who oh, can't just sing. Definitely don't pull a Russell Crowe. No. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, Tracy Tom and Rosario Dawson, they're good. They just don't shine as brightly or feel as, as in the moment or real to the moment hmm. as like as Jesse L. Martin does. as somebody who wasn't uh, familiar with the stage I, I didn't I didn't mind them I didn't yeah. notice that uh, they were that they lacked gotcha connection well then fuck me just in my me. opinion no I'm just saying now, I, uh, what did Rent do wrong had not occurred to me Joe oh what did it do wrong wow uh, first it needed an editor this I, I know musicals are usually at least two hours long this one felt it this one felt uh, every minute of the two hours 15 minutes um, and it's sad, especially when you tell me that there's good numbers that were left out. Yeah. Because I can po- point to two or three already. Oh, man, uh, that uh, fucking <laughs> over the moon is just insufferable to me. Like, I, I could fly not. over I the was, moon. I was skipping, uh, you know, hitting that 10-second skip. Moo with me. Uh, yes. Moo. And, like, every time she was just still talking. And then how many times did she repeat that refrain? Yeah. Anyway, so that's just an example of uh, <laughs> something that could have been cut. Uh, and I really do think that they're playing to the home crowd here. Yeah. Like every, this movie has a very specific audience and it's about 5% of the population, right. I would say. Yes. Which, nothing wrong with that. That's mm-hmm. great. Find your audience. Yeah. Um, but re- you want to talk about an echo chamber. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, you know, it's all damn the man and I don't want to get a job. Really speaking to that, that, that audience. Yeah. And then uh, lastly, because <laughs> there's a lot of things this movie did wrong, <laughs> but uh, Chris Columbus, man, it just... His dispassionate direction. Yeah. I just don't think... I think he wasn't up to this task. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and right off the bat, you get that impression when the very first song, the very first thing that we see on on, on film are people standing on a stage. Yeah. It's like, no, this yep. is a film. Make it your I own. Agree. That entire opening, he just films people singing, and I'm sure that's exactly what it looked like that's, in the uh, that's stage how the play, That's how the play opens. Of course. Uh, no, I agree. That that point, your third point, is exactly what I felt like this movie did wrong. Yeah. You adapted a play to make it into a movie. You could still have it be a musical, but fucking change it. Don't make it a, a carbon copy of what people can already see on the stage. Yes. That's not why we come to the it's movies. It's not PBS. That's not why you have done this. That's not why you've made this into a film. 
fucking show this as a movie. You know, it felt like there are plenty of points in the movie where, you know, like no day, uh, another day where mm-hmm. Mimi leaves and she's singing to Roger who's up on the yeah. balcony. I can almost see the stanchion fucking stage set <laughs> yes. where fucking Roger's standing on top yep. and Mimi's on the bottom and the people come up and join yep. her. And I'm like, fucking do something in a different way. You could have done that. You've got creative enough people to fucking do that. Mm-hmm. Adapt it. It's called adaptation. Adapt the fucking play into a movie and show it. Don't show that. That was what I fucking hated. Was the opening with them on the stage, yep. and I didn't mind it the first time I saw it. But now watching it again, that was one of my first comments. Was like, why? Why are they? I said, why are they reminding the audience yes. that this was a play? We don't need to be reminded. This was one of the biggest fucking plays yes, of all we, time. If we're sitting here watching this film, we know, yeah, why we're watching. It's it. it's like I would direct you to Evita. Madonna's Avita, even though I didn't think Madonna was the best casting, nor Antonio Banderas, for that matter, the best casting in the Avita movie, at least they sh- they told the story mm-hmm. like it was a film a movie. and not a play. What's your favorite musical, stage musical to film adaptation, not counting animated films? Oh, God, man. That's really tough. For me, it's easy. It's Chicago. Yeah? And that's a perfect... Uh, example of what this movie could have been because uh-huh. Chicago was so creative in the way that it kind of took it it used the fact that it was a stage production yeah and then it would juxtapose what was happening in this imaginary world of, of Renee Zellweger's you know world where everything's a, a stage play uh-huh. juxtapose it with what's actually happening in reality yeah and it was so powerful the way they did that and that's something that wasn't done in the stage production I right? guess I guess Fiddler on the Roof yeah, I really, you really I love do like Fiddler that, don't you? And it's a it's a well done movie. Like it is a beautiful movie. It looks yep. like a spaghetti western when you're watching it, but it's it's really well done. Uh, as far as movies that they turned into musicals, mm. <laughs> Xanadu, I fucking love that. <laughs> I love that <laughs> fucking love mu- that, the, that stage show. That adaptation of Xanadu into a Broadway musical is a fucking killer production. Yeah. Um, yeah, so West Side Story, I'll throw in there too. I West, Side West Side Story's Story. fucking beautiful, but Spielberg I still feel like I feel like that's still a little like a play when you're watching it on in the yeah, film. Yeah. It's a little well. Like I a mean, play. it was shot in the '60s. What are you going to do? But <laughs> just the fact that they were filming stage productions was kind of a new thing, and mm-hmm. I, I think it that actually was better than you know the South Pacifics at the time, where sure. those really did feel like like yeah. even the set pieces were oh, like yeah. moving the way you, that you, uh, felt, you felt like people would just be like moving them across like yes, as the exactly. scene ended, people are yeah. just moving them off. Did you hear that Spielberg is doing a West Side Story? Dude, fucking Spielberg needs to die. <laughs> no, don't say that. <laughs> He's a treasure, a national treasure. No, national treasure. Nicholas Cage will we're be find hunting it. him down in his next Mount film. Rushmore. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. So if we were going to remake. Uh, I mean, would you recommend this film at all? Um, it's impossible for me to because if you are the audience for this film, you're already aware of it and you've already seen it, probably, mm-hmm. most likely, and, mm-hmm. and you're enjoying it. It's it's really telling to go to Rotten Tomatoes and see that, oh, 46% of critics uh, enjoyed this. Oh. Feels about right. But 83% audience. Wow. Because, because of who, this the, film has its audience. That audience. Clearly they the loved it. And yeah. so uh, I don't need to recommend it. You, If you want to see this movie, you've seen it and you love it. Uh-huh. If you haven't, you don't know anything about it, this is not the Trainer Wheels musical for you. Yeah. Watch Phantom of the Opera. I, I probably would under certain circumstances. Mm-hmm. I'd recommend someone check it out. All right. Uh, I think like if they didn't want to dive into the three-hour stage production of Rent, and they kind of still wanted to experience the story. Mm-hmm. It's not... Here's the thing. The movie isn't... It's not complete trash. No. Like, it's not a horrible film. 
It's just not good. It's not well done. It's, not, it's exactly. It's not well done. The source material is better than. But the music. The music is still great. The sound design is still fantastic. Here's one of the things that I will give it, and one of the things that you might not notice often, but it's this musical where there's like probably five, six people singing at the same time in yeah, certain yeah. moments. Mm-hmm. But the way that it's produced and the way that it's put together. You can tell whose voice is whose, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which I thought was really interesting. It's something that I didn't notice again, something I didn't notice before the last time I watched it. But like uh, during the Will I Lose My Dignity and they're yeah. kind of going around like I could pick out Angel's voice. Oh, there's Colin's voice. There's a, That's a nice little bit of sound design, nice little bit of balancing. Uh, so that was pretty cool. But yeah, I guess I would, I might, under the right circumstances, recommend a movie. Right. Did you uh, see the live uh, adaptation? I watched a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. I watched a few numbers. With Vanessa Hudgens? It, Who is it she playing? The Rosario Dawson I think character? She's, yeah, she's playing the Rosario Dawson character. One of, my, one of my problems... Oh, wait. Is she the Rosario Dawson or is she the Adina Menzel? Oh, interesting. She might be the Adina Menzel Oh, I can character. see that, yeah. Um, one of my problems with the stage... But first off, this is not a, a PG play. No, um, I was surprised that this film was PG thirteen. This felt kind of arish. Yeah, there's um, arish. There's there's fucks in it. There's yeah. there's some bad words, and they changed it for television. Obviously, for broadcast TV, mm-hmm. uh, like in Tango Maureen. This is weird. It's weird. Fucking weird. Oh fucking weird. yeah. And instead, they don't say that. They're like, "This is weird. It's weird. Very weird. Super weird." And I'm like, "Well, that that takes a little bit of the bite out of the fact that it's like someone's ex." And their current lover, yeah. and they now are forced to be in the same room with one mm-hmm. another. It takes a little something out of it. Also, just the just the source material itself, like the the content uh, of what is this show, probably not the most appropriate choice for broadcast <laughs> television. Yeah, right. Um, but it's got name recognition. It's got Jordan Fisher plays Mark. Uh, Jordan Fisher was in Hamilton. Uh, he originated the role of Alexander Hamilton's son in the show. Uh, and then he went on to uh, to do Dancing with the Stars, where Sarah and I discovered him. And he was fucking great. Like, he was really fucking good. Um, but he's playing Mark. And the way he plays Mark yeah. is like he's very smooth in the way he dances and stuff. And he kind of sexes him up. And there's something about Mark. I'm like, that's not him. He's not sexy. He's not sexy. Yeah. He's not supposed to be smooth. Like, yeah. that's his problem is that he's anything but. Uh, and so that's the way that he kind of presented it. Other than that, I thought that it was th- at least the numbers that I watched were fine. There's no way you're going to get around, dude. There's you cannot cast someone to play the Adina Menzel role, and you're not comparing them constantly to yeah, Adina Menzel. That's tough. Uh, but then Adina Menzel came out, and Jesse Martin came out at the end. Oh, really? Like and sang with the cast of to do Seasons of Love. Oh, so, cool. Uh, it, it is what it is. If we were going to remake this Rent film, mm-hmm. how would we do that, Joel? We would uh, recast, of course, the main, what are there, eight, uh, eight. eight, yep. eight or nine? I have eight. Did you do Tay Diggs? I did, well? yeah, absolutely, right, Benny. there you go, and a director. Uh, well, he's at the bottom of my list. Do you want to start there? Do you have some sort of theme going on? No, I've got, I've got no theme going on. Nor do I. So my Tay Diggs, my Benny, how about most deaf? I like that. Yeah. Uh, I went with Jeremy Renner. Oh, oh, you're mixing up some I'm mix, stuff. I'm I, mixing up some stuff. I really stuff. tried to stay with... Uh, the templates that was given. I tried to make sure you went with. You tried to stick with the color palette. <laughs> <laughs> Your words, not mine. <laughs> I uh, I tried to figure out like all the people that I've cast mm-hmm. can sing, and most deaf most deaf can, can sing. sing. Most, but I just want most to let you definitely. Know, I just want to let you know, Jeremy Renner can fucking sing. Man. I didn't know that. Yeah. How how has this been you proven? Should, you should uh, you should check out YouTube, man. Look up some clips. No, really? Yeah. All right. I will. All right. So Benny. 
Jeremy Renner. You've got most deaf. Who's next? Uh, how about uh, Angel? Angel. Mm-hmm. All right. I went with uh, Timothy Chalamet. Okay. Mm-hmm. Who's he's, Timothy He's Chalamet? the new hotness right now. He's Call Me By Your Name. Oh, Call Me By Your Name. That's yeah. right. Uh, I went with Zac Efron. Ooh, yeah. Uh, we know I he like could that. sing. And imagine him in drag. He's a little effeminate. He's kind of pretty. I like it. He's very pretty. Yeah. yeah I like that. Uh, Tom Collins. Mm-hmm. Got him from Law and Order. Yeah. Kong, kong. How about Titus Burgess from uh, Kimmy Schmidt? How about, how about Keegan-Michael Key? Oh, yeah. Oh, can he sing as well? Yes, he Oh, of can. course he can. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah. Uh, I like it. All right. Well, next we're up to Maureen, speaking of people who can the sing. The Tango Maureen. I did like that number. I thought it's that was It's a dark, fun. dizzy, merry-go-round. In the, in the stage show, it's just Joanne and Mark doing the tango. And, and obviously in the film, it's like a big group. And I kind of liked that. I liked how he like hits his head and wakes up. And it's that's one of the things yeah, that you could do when you make nice. it a movie. Exactly. When it's a film... These are things you could so do. So they now. didn't do that in the stage. No, adaptation? in the stage show, it's just there. Mark you go. And See Joanne. more of that then. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. Somebody so had a good idea. Maureen. Maureen Edina Menzel. How about uh, Catherine Hahn? You familiar with her? Yes, Speaking I am. Speaking of Spider Man yeah. into the Spider Verse, she did yeah. Doc Ock. She was really good, oh, man. Yeah, she was. Love her. I love when the, that reveal, the Doc Ock yes! reveal, was so fucking great. Uh, sorry if we just spoiled it for people. Um, Anna Kendrick is my Maureen. Oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Yeah. Can she sit? Yeah, she can. Dude, <laughs> what? I'm just kidding. Uh, Joanne would be next. Mm-hmm. Joanne. I went with Kiki Palmer. Uh, tell me who that is. Uh, Aquila in the B, and she was also she's also in Cinderella on stage. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I know you're talking mm-hmm. about. Oh, good idea. Yeah. I went with Aaliyah Shawcott. You know that her from Arrested Development? Aaliyah Shawcat? Shawcat? Yeah, her. Yeah. Is that how you pronounce her name? Yes. I've only seen it in print. Never heard it uh, pronounced. There uh-huh. you go. thought she'd be good. Yeah. I have no idea if she can sing. Mm-hmm. No, she can. Yeah, she's really good. Uh, who's next? Oh, did you do your, your joint? Who'd you yeah, say? Kiki Palmer. Oh, Kiki Palmer, my All right. <laughs> um, let's do... I don't know who that is, so I felt like you didn't answer my question. <laughs> let's do uh, Rosario Dawson, the Mimi character. Me, me, me. You, know, you like that? <laughs> yeah, I like that. No, I mean, I like what they did with her name oh, and, yeah. uh, lyrically in that song. Uh-huh. You know, I'm going to go with Tessa Thompson. Tessa Thompson's good. Like I went her. with Ariana Grande. Uh, ooh, I like that. That's yeah, good. You can yeah. totally see her doing out tonight. And yeah. Be, uh, stripping on stage. Yeah, so you're stripping on stage. Yeah, could see that as well. And now that uh, brings us to our, uh, our final two. It sure two. does. Well, let's go with Roger. Uh-huh. Uh, I went with Bradley Cooper, no stranger to musicals and film. Bradley Cooper's good. He's just He would be too old to fit my group. I thought so. I cast a little young. Yeah. I went with Joseph Gordon-Levitt for Roger. Oh, my God. My Joe Golev. Yeah, you're Joe Golev. You stole my Joe Golev. <laughs> I did. My Joe Golev. Unless he's your mark. Uh, no, he's not. <laughs> but, he should, oh, but that'd be good, too. But my mark is Alan Tudyk. Oh, dude, Kinda that's great. Already looks like him. I like that. And also sing. My mark is Ansel Elgort. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, man. Tall. Motherfucker can sing, too. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, you got a director? I do have a director. I went with Baz Luhrmann. I went with Damien Chazelle, La La Land. Hey, there you go. Oh, he would be great with this. Mm-hmm. Probably better than Baz Luhrmann. <laughs> but at least... Well, at least... the first 20 minutes of the movie would be a fucking whirlhind, and we wouldn't know what was so going like, on. At least, it would cause a lot of anxiety. At least Baz Luhrmann could fucking breathe some life into this, man. Right? You know, he knows how to, what to do with the camera and mm-hmm. editing. Uh, all rough. right, so if you have any thoughts about Rent 2005, or just Rent in general, Rent Live, uh, Rent the Stage Show, 
please let us know. Go to facebook.com slash editing bay or find that search bar in uh, facebook.com. Put editing bay in and find that image of the woman with the bleeding eyes. And I always feel like you laugh at me whenever I say the dot com part of like any website. <laughs> I do. We're like, no one does that anymore, old man. Yeah. Nope. You don't you even don't have to... to type it in. Even your browser is like, we got it. We don't yeah. need it. <laughs> just type in fa. Yeah, <laughs> and it'll we'll, we'll take it from take there. it from there. Uh, <laughs> in the in the search bar, put in the editing bay, find that image with the woman, the bleeding eye. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Just pretend I said that, okay? Uh, Cut that part out. And uh, and that's uh, click on that. That's where you could find us. Talk back to us. Let mm-hmm. us know what you thought about the movie. If you got any uh, any thoughts uh, about movies that we could watch in the future, you can go ahead and give us your suggestions there. We would love to hear what you'd like for us to talk about in 2019. Yeah. Uh, we've also got a website, right, Joel? Oh, we sure do. It's not the editing bay. It's not edit bay. It is editingbay.com. Please go there. No bay, but today. <laughs> no bay, but the editing bay. That's right. Editingbay.com. Go there, bookmark it. Uh, we've got links to all our social media networks, uh, Facebook, but also our Twitter handle, which is at the editing bay. Please follow us there. Uh, and then also, uh, more importantly, the little episodes tab up there, because uh, if you're listening to this uh, and you're subscribing, you're only getting the most 100 recent episodes. You want to hear the whole 250 or whatever. I think it's 258. Mm-hmm. You got them there on editingbay.com. Guys, leave us a rating and a review on your podcasting app. That would be fantastic. Five-star rating, definitely preferred. Uh, and then give us a review. Let us know what you like about the show. Um, and then share it with your friends so we can grow this thing. Yeah. Uh, what are we going to do next week, bud? Well, Joe, speaking of movies that are already on our list, this one was added last year um, when uh, we lost a, a, a great actor, mm-hmm. some would say, you know, uh, ahead of his time. Yeah. Um, Alan Rickman. And uh, no. F. F. Marie Abraham. Vern Schroyer. That's right. We lost Vern Schroyer. And Joe, it's, as I'm sitting here listening to you talk about uh, Austin Powers and Goldmember and uh-huh. how great it is, yeah. and me not having seen it, wow. I think now is the time. You, you want to talk about Goldmember? I think as we're coming up on the yearly anniversary of the passing of Vern Schroyer. And, uh, Wait, your, he's dead? Your love of gold. Yeah, what? he died last Did year. Did he really? I he's, thought you were just I'm kidding about kidding. that. No. I thought he was, like, was like, what? Well, this will be a fitting tribute then uh, next week when we review Austin Powers. Is it Austin Powers 3 or just Austin Powers? Uh, I think it's uh, Austin Powers, Goldmember. Or is it or just Goldmember, colon, and Austin Powers Dude, movie I don't fuck. I don't know. Now we're well, over the game. Whatever it is, we'll be reviewing it next week on The Editing Bay. Dude, thank you so much, Jeff. Uh, Joel, always a pleasure. Pleasure's all mine. Guys, we'll see you next week for Austin Powers, Goldmember. You've been listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. That's fucking gold.